Welcome to the Journey to Midwifery podcast. I'm your host, Amber Wilson, a doctor, nurse, midwife, turned podcast host. It is our job and passion as midwives to listen to everyone else's story, their journey, their birth story. Now it's our turn to share. So here I am asking these midwives, what's your story? Join me each episode to hear the journey, the passion, and the mission of midwives today. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Journey to Midwifery. And today I have on an awesome guest who everybody knows as the Vagina Chronicles on Instagram. So say hello. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ayanna. I am, <laughs> I guess, the curator of the Vagina Chronicles. Hi. Hi. We are <laughs> excited to hear your story. Thank you. I'm excited yeah. to share. Good. I'm glad to be your platform. Um, And we're doing this interview right behind your letter that you released, which we'll talk a little bit about that, um, or statement, I should say. Um, But let's start from the beginning. Tell us why you wanted to, why you went into midwifery. Why did I go into midwifery? Um, I, I think I've come to the realization that I didn't necessarily choose midwifery all the way. It cho- it definitely picked me out, um, and uh, that's not to say that I don't love it. That's not to say that um, I wasn't passionate about it, but we, Midwifery and I, are on this real groovy track. Um, so I knew for a long time that I wanted to be in a profession where I could help people out, and that was like the go-to. That's where my heart was. I couldn't see my life any other way. I actually um, was on the pre-med track and thought I was going to be going in that direction. Um, And then honestly, one day, well, there was a series of events, but one day I was sitting in a dorm room after uh, uh, a post-bac program and I'm sitting there and nursing literally just hit me like, like the light shining down from the skies. You hear the angelic voices and it was like, Oh, nursing and then midwifery. It's just like that. At that moment, I knew like what I was supposed to do. And, um, and my path became, I wouldn't say easy, but it became more clear, the more I was walking in it. And so um, nursing, I don't know why I didn't think about it before that time. But I went in that route. And then once I did my OB rotation, I was like, oh, this, this is it. It's solid. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to be a midwife. And, you know, the rest is kind of history. Um, but also uh, another reason why I say it chose me is um, my grandmother. And I've always I had always known her growing up as a registered nurse. Um, I didn't know her to be a midwife. And this is a woman. She died when I was in my late 20s, mid 20s, um, before I went to midwifery school, but with the knowledge that I was going, and she never once revealed it to me, but that's who my grandmother was. And um, it was in her, you know, in in her death that I discovered that and I was already like on the path towards it. And um, she she's specifically, which is ironic, too, because she comes from the Caribbean, um, from the island of Antigua. And so she was a practicing certified nurse midwife there uh, before she became a registered nurse in the state of New York um, once she moved up here. So I I say it's in the bloodlines. I feel it. Um, I know that like she walks with me in what I do. And um, it just it's it's something that I don't think I could see myself with, you know, not doing. It's it's tied to me. So. That's, That's a why. pretty powerful force. Yeah, it is. <laughs> wow. It is. So how'd you do it? Did you, um, you went to nursing school? Did you practice as a nurse? All those <laughs> questions. Yes. Um, so I, I guess I could start from square one. Um, I, like I said, I, I was, I had it in my mind that I was going to be an OBGYN. And so all throughout undergrad, I was pre-med. I took the MCAT, I sat for it, I applied to medical schools, I applied, and then applied to post-bac programs because it was not going in the direction that I thought it should be going. And 
um, ended up doing a post-baccalaureate here in Southern California. And the moment that I was just speaking about where it all hit me, I was struggling um, so much in my studies as a post-bac student. And that was like my first encounter. Like I was a, I was a really good student, you know, um, I, I, I have to study hard. I'm not somebody who can just pop up to a quiz and take it and be done. Um, but I did well in my courses before, and it just was like every door to medicine was closing in my face. And I was disheartened for a while, but I was like, I know I have a purpose here in healthcare and, and to help people between like the brink of life and death. Like I have that, I know that it's in me. And so as I'm sitting there finishing up that year in my post-bac program, I ended up like, like I said, having that aha moment um, or that moment of like power and rapidly things began to excel into nursing school. And it was just a transition from one program to the other where I was. And so um, I got a second bachelor's and that was in nursing and then um, really wanted a job, labor and delivery, because I knew at that point, I knew, yes, yeah, my classmates, my best friend I met in nursing school, and she knew before we were done with the program that that's what I wanted to do. I knew what she wanted to do. She happens to be a CRNA. And um, I, I really was like, how can I make this happen? So um, at the time, the economy had tumbled when I graduated from nursing school. So it was like, all hands on deck, every man for themselves, or every woman for this, every person for themselves. And I was looking for jobs, um, ended up finding a job, neurosurgery trauma, step down unit, which was like, not what I was looking for. But it happened to be just what I needed. And so like, each step along the way, I think just has crafted and helped me build who I am and who I'm becoming. And so um, worked there for um, a little over a year, as soon as I saw a position open up at our hospital's um, uh, labor and delivery unit, or their, um, they call it a birth center, um, I went for it. And so I saw a job posted for a postpartum nurse. I applied and got it and told them up front, I was like, look, I want to be in labor and delivery. I'm not, I, I love postpartum, but I, that's my, my, my track there. And I knew you know, needing for prerequisites and everything for school that I would need to go that route. So I um, kind of took the fast track into like all of that. So postpartum then was trained for antepartum and then like shortly after trained for labor and delivery and worked there for a few years. And, you know, a couple of years in, I was like, well, let me let me apply to midwifery school. I did so got in. I actually um, deferred my acceptance to get more experience in labor and delivery. I just you know, that was something that was important to me and then went into the program and, you know, that was a, I worked not full time, but, um, you know, maybe part time hours and I worked a swing shift doing that and going to school. I don't know how I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back, I'm like, you know, my days off were days at work. That, that was the crazy part. So I worked mm-hmm. like an 11 a to 11 P and that was like the day I quote unquote slept in, you know? And so I would wake up in panic um, at like three o'clock in the morning because I would have to, I had to commute to where I went to school and it was like a two hour drive with traffic. And so I would wake up at a panic three or four o'clock in the morning, like, oh my gosh, where am I supposed to be right now? What day is it? And where am I supposed to be? Oh no. Yeah. Some of the days it would be like, oh, you work so you can go back to sleep and it's okay, you know, but, um, but made it through and yeah. Um, after that, I, well, I have a question. I have a backtrack question. Yes, of course. Cause you're the first midwife I've met that has an ICU background. Do you oh, have any, Oh, do you have any, um, how do you think that played into your care now? Um, definitely time management and people skills working well with others. I think, um, it was, it was my first job coming out of nursing school. So that's where I really felt like I developed, um, a sense of like being a nurse and how to manage my time, how to like, you know, you know, like kind of basis pass meds, do like simple bedside Mm -hmm. procedures, that kind of thing, but also gave me so much insight into like 
relating to other people. Um, you know, we often deal with people who have, um, like female parts and so in, in midwifery, but Mm -hmm. there's, there's also the side that, you know, we, others may not, but that was like my first introduction to everyone, like, you know, not just like women's health. And so Mm -hmm. it gives you kind of a glimpse. You, you deal with family members, um, death you, I dealt with, um, our, I remember specific people, you know, specific patients because of how they touched me and how, like they, they said, I, you know, touched them. And, um, and so, um, I think it just really prepared me for then going into like the OB world where things were a lot different. Like I I remember going from the step down to, um, to postpartum and, you know, in step down, you have to check on your patients every so often, like if not every hour, every two hours, like you gotta be doing something, everybody. And so, like, I get down there and get trained for postpartum, and one of the nurses was like, <laughs> they're sleeping. Like, <laughs> let them rest. Like, not that you don't want to look, you know, look in on the patient, mm-hmm. but they've been up all day trying to breastfeed or doing this and that with the baby. And, you know, just gave me an introduction into a different a different side of nursing, the nursing world. And so um, it was a drastic change, but it was like I had these other things and, and it really applied to the antepartum unit because I worked at a high risk hospital and, um, we had patients, you know, ejection fraction, very, very low, they're brittle diabetics. So, and and have like a lot, some of them had a lines, like there's things not, not that they would stay on our unit like that, but they would come down from ICU. And so there's things that other nurses, um, not that they couldn't do, but some of them, you know, hadn't done it for a very long time or not as comfortable. And so it was still like kind of my territory when I came from, you know, the step down unit. So it was, it was a welcomed opportunity to use skills that I had previously used and implement it also into something that was really important to me, which was like, again, that OB world. Yeah. I think sometimes people, nurses especially, are fearful of making that change from whatever, ER, ICU. So I, that's why I wanted you to delve into Yes. It's okay. You can do it. <laughs> and <laughs> it your skills is. will cross over in some way. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yep. So you survived school. <laughs> and then, then what? Uh, survived school and then jumped pretty much right into midwifery. So um, my, my clinical site where I was doing the majority, well, I had two different ones majority of the time. Um, where I did my like practicum and all of my clinical instruction. Um, I actually was hired at one of the two. Um, ironically, I work at the other of the two now. So I, um, I took boards, you know, we graduated. That was like May. I mm. took boards in like September um, just giving myself enough time to really prep and prepare, prepare, and then, um, was waiting for credentialing from the state, you know, that can take forever, mm-hmm. and then ended up work, officially starting work, um, in April or May of that, after September of that following year, so just a few months out, not too, too long, um, but still working labor and delivery at the same time. It's, it's funny to see that, everything kind of comes together, you know, you're working at a nurse and you see one side of it and then you have that now provider mind um, and you like putting the two together. It's like, Oh my gosh, this makes so much more sense. Yes. And I can explain it to my patients better too. And even my coworkers, we can have this dialogue about the things that we're doing. Um, yeah. You know, so, but yeah, I jumped into the job and I've been, I work at a um, large teaching hospital. Um, the, the, my first job was very, very, very busy. Um, like our, to me anyway, I'm sure there are busier practices, but um, an average for a 12 hour shift, I would say is probably about six vaginal deliveries for mm-hmm. us alone as midwives. Um, that doesn't include triaging you know, um, rounding, et cetera. Um, you know, so I definitely got my hands very, very 
dirty, if you will, <laughs> when I when I first started. I got in there and I really got into it. Um, the transition was hard. The transition mm-hmm. was really, really hard. And I, it from took a nurse toll to me. midwife. Yes, from nurse yeah. to midwife. I took it took a toll on me. It took a toll on me. And I'm, I would say I'm still kind of getting my 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 footing back in place. I'm at a better place now in terms of mentality um, and trying to make changes for myself. But it, you know, going from nurse to provider is a huge jump. And I hope, you know, listeners who are students going from that role and perhaps were nurses before, or even have never been, if you're going like the CM route, whatever it is, like knowing that you're going from one place as one role to this now role of provider, it's a huge shift. And you really have to take time to develop like who you are and remember who you are in that process and don't lose your voice. And that's actually how the Vagina Chronicles got started because I had lost my voice. I felt like that. Mm-hmm. So. And did you feel like using social media as an outlet was a way to kind of build that back up? Um, yes. So um, it sparked out of watching um, the movie Death or it's a documentary, The Death, Death by Delivery. And, you know, it's uh, surrounding um, maternal, black maternal mortality and morbidity rates. And after seeing a screening of it, you know, um, towards the end, they were having like this question and answer time. And like my heart is racing because the question they, they had asked something or mentioned something about midwifery schools and, you know, getting more midwives and I think midwives of color. I don't remember the exact question, but like my heart is racing because I was like, I need to say something about this. So, you know, I put my hand up and, you know, people were talking and then finally last questions. And I said what I said, and it was like, people came up to me afterward and they were like, what you had to say was so impactful. And I'm like, you know, you have that stun thing. You're, it's just that pressing matter to get it off your chest and to say the truth. And so that is, that is where things started. I went with a good girlfriend of mine, um, who's actually now a doula and, um, she was the one who kind of like brought that attention. She was like, you've been, because in former days, I'm, I also have this background in poetry and I was always like, you know, actually using my voice and writing and doing a lot of things. She's like, you've had that suppressed for so long. And I think you're at this place where it's, it's almost like an explosion of emotion, not in a negative way, but like all these things that I had packed under because I was still trying to figure myself out in terms of a midwife and what that meant and being a black midwife and um, trying to cater to people and being a black person in America, in a, you know, in corporate America, I consider hospital system is still kind of this big corporation. Um, (laughs) So like finding my way through and fighting my way through and trying to still be this Biana, if you will, in doing all this, like I had, I had watered myself down. And so this, this one particular screening, I went and saw it. And like, I had been joking about the vagina chronicles with friends and stuff like, yeah, this is my life. The vagina chronicles. (laughs) And then, you know, it turned into something serious. I was like, well, let me just do this platform. And I introduced myself. Um, and then another midwife, um, Stephanie Tillman, who is um, mm-hmm. the feminist midwife, she was she she kind of put me on her page, and I was like, oh hey. And then I'm getting getting more followers, but um, you know, out of all of it, the whole point was for me to be my most genuine self, and also to shed light on what's happening to like our black moms, black families, black people, um, but also to give you some information about yourself because you know, there's, there's so much going on with all this patriarchy and foolishness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and for so long, we've been like oppressed in this manner where we can't share how we feel about our bodies, or we're ashamed and embarrassed. And there's nothing to be embarrassed about. You know, our bodies are desired. That's not a bad thing. Our bodies are useful. They're helpful. They help us get us through. We birth babies out of them, you know, Um, And so I think all those things compiled really was like a driving force. And then also like knowing, digging more into like my grandmother's legacy 
getting actual documents that like she had like her notes it was just like all that the timing of it couldn't have been any better um it just was it opened up a whole new realm for me and that was like that is the vagina chronicles and there's still more to come you know um so that's where that came from so you trying to use my voice and then just shed light on things that are going on and you know tell the truth like I'm you you'll know if I'm lying because I'm not very good at it number one (laughs) and number two and I I don't practice it but like you know like you don't I'm not very good at it but also like that's not what fuels me what fuels me is the truth and getting the stories out there you know so I think that's that's part of the important parts here so I have some questions what was it that you said at that um viewing that made you made these gears start going Oh, um, listen to black people, listen to black women. I have the video clip, um, cause my friend recorded me. Um, oh, wow. so she basically, um, the, I think my response to whatever the, the question or statement that I've been made was, you know, there are people who are sitting in front of you who they're only going to see you this one time. And in this one time they're looking for someone who's going to listen to them, their problems so that they can get to a healthier state or a state where they need to be. And, and all too often, I mean, I made examples, like I've seen it happen where black women have not been listened to. And I think this, the statement was, we need to listen to black women, um, is what's in, in the the clip. Mm -hmm. Um, and then talking about the midwifery schools, state of California, I'm not sure if it's three anymore, but at the time there was three midwifery schools and there's one up north one and two down in Southern California. And so I was sharing about that, too, because um, I think someone had asked about midwifery programs and where are they and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's pretty much what the the that's what I said at that time. But the takeaway was we need to listen um, to our people. Mm-hmm. And now you're on this I, I love this journey and it's like everything you've said and done, you were made for this. This is what you're, yeah, this is your purpose. <laughs> it is. It um, is. And I wanted you to talk a little bit because I too feel the same. I'm sure a lot of people do that transition from nurse to midwife. Can you talk about or remember any specific things that you felt like were really hard? I mean, I have my own personal things, but I want to hear yours. Uh, yeah, I, there's a list. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. <laughs> In the first year, um, one of the things that stood out to me the most, and this is personality and, um, you know, individualized, of course, but I remember coming home often and sitting, not doing anything, meaning like, so let's say it was a 12-hour shift, um, because we do shift works at, uh, shift, shift, um, shift work I should say I guess in our hospital mm-hmm. and so sitting down at the end of the day like literally in almost like this vegetative state if you will you don't you don't have the reserve to do anything you're pro you're it's not even like you can process the day and that's where I was losing myself so that's one of the difficulties like I really while trying to figure everything out like I said before, I was losing bits and pieces of myself because I was trying to accommodate to the things that were going around me. Um, yeah. And um, there's something to be said working with people who support midwifery and working with people who clearly don't. And when you're trying to fight for a patient as it is, but then also having to fight with someone who is above you or like a supervisor or someone you're supposed to be able to consult with, that's when, you know, it takes on a toll emotionally. So you have to know like who's working in your favor and who may not be. And that's just the reality of the world we live in. Um, And I, you can't take it personally. You just have to remember like why you do what you do. Um, The other thing was, I don't think I took enough time off in between my nursing role and starting the midwifery job. It was like probably like two weeks, which might sound like a lot of time. Um, and financially, no, it doesn't. I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I'll, I'll say this too, as a sidebar, it's only now like several years in 
where I'm realizing that I don't have a normal schedule. And like within the last year, I'm like, you know what, this, this is not normal. Like, you know, people ask, oh, what's your schedule? Like, well, I work either one 24 hour call and two clinic days, which are usually two eight hour days mm-hmm. or two 12 hour shifts, which could be day or night and two clinic days, either, either way to get a 40 hour week. Mm-hmm. But that never looks the same twice. Typically it's usually like one week you got, you know, Monday you're 24 and then you're off for two days and then you work clinic at the end of the week. But then you also might in one, in one day you might work another call and then you're off and then you're, you know, so this back and forth. And so I've been trying to rationalize in my mind for probably the last two or three years that this is sane and it's really not. <laughs> but yeah. also there are so many different ways that midwifery can be done um, however, I think any way you look at it, it's this new taxing, um, schedule that requires a lot out of us. Mm-hmm. And so I, all that to say, I didn't take enough time off between, um, switching roles. Like, uh, I was still doing like finishing up paperwork for the new job and, you know, doing exit interviews for the old job and, you know, this and that and calling it rest, but it really wasn't rest. Um, rest because I wasn't at the physical job location, but I was still doing these other things. And so when I got into the the hospital system, it's like things were rolling and they were rolling fast. And I was like, oh, (laughs) okay. You know, you're getting into it. You're excited. This is what you've been wanting to do this whole time. Um, you're meeting new people, you're figuring out personalities, you're meeting your patients, you are, you know, trying to do consoles, referrals, um, labs, keep up with your lab results, keep up with contacting patients. There's so much to be done. Um, and I really didn't give my mind, my body and like my spirit that space to rest before getting into that new role. And I should have, that's that if I can say that to anybody who's going to be switching from student midwife to um, um, yeah, student midwife to new nurse midwife or new midwife, whatever the case is, take the time out to like really just like take a breath. Um, I know sometimes financially it can't be done, but if you can figure out a way somehow like to really just like give yourself some time and reflect on where you were, where you, what you've gone through, the experiences that you've had and where you're going and what you envision for yourself as this new practitioner, that is that's like the takeaway for me. You have to give yourself that chance. Um, because then you fall into this, like I said, that I would come home from work and sit and it's like, I could do nothing, you know? Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, well, where are you at now with that? Like are, you're using this <laughs> platform as your voice, right? How are you feeling as you, are you, what's the difference now? The difference, yeah, the difference now is giving myself a chance to rest. It's saying no, it's going to therapy. It's um, having time with my friends. It's um, sharing when I want to on social media, but also not sharing everything because there is a level of still being myself and not everybody really knows me. (laughs) Um, And so, and then, you know, there's, there's things that there's privacy, you know, um, I definitely am not where I was um, when I first started out. I am in a much better place. There's different things that come up, different trials, different challenges in the job, but um, I feel a little bit more confident than I than where I was before. I remember asking, like when I first started, so when do you feel like you've got a handle on things? And all mm-hmm. I would get in response was like laughter, like usually mm-hmm. laughter or like a blank stare. Like, what do you eat? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think that's midwifery. We're constantly yeah. pursuing knowledge and pursuing ways to help our, our patients out and families. We are, um, we're masters at um, critical thinking and um, innovation because we have to get creative with our deliveries. Not only that, but like with how we're serving our patients, like some people don't have certain resources. So we have to find another way for to make things happen for them. Mm-hmm. And, um, whereas that takes a lot of energy initially, I'm not saying it's easy now, cause definitely not, 
but like I think knowing how to handle it better is is the path and direction that I'm on now so I I can't if someone were to ask me that question that I asked when I first started when do you feel like you've got a grasp on things when do you finally feel like things have gotten together and you know um it's gonna vary for everyone but I think we're in this constant state of change and updating and um, just becoming better midwives as the day goes on. If that's your goal, you know, if that's because you know, not everybody's on the same page, but um, it's just going to take time is what I'll say. If I I'm asked that question, like give yourself that chance. It'll come. Not everything. You're not going to know everything. Cause if once you do, then we got to do some checks and balances here. But um you will find a day where you're like, ooh, I, I'm proud of myself. Um, and those are hard things that, um, or difficult things that for me to say to myself sometimes. But um, you'll have your days when you'll say, I'm proud of myself. And you'll have days where you say, wow, I learned a lot today. And I'm several years in and I learned a, a lot, you know? Yeah, constantly learning. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. Yeah. So your next, well, we have a few more, lots of things to talk about, but sure. you are speaking at ACNM in May. I am. So exciting. Um, <laughs> how did that, how did that come about? And what uh, are you talking about? <laughs> so um, I was asked to be a plenary speaker at the ACNM um, American College of Nurse Midwives, um, their conference in May. Um, oddly enough, um, I presented last year, end of last year, with um, Stephanie and Makina Table from NSRH, uh, Nurses for Sexual and Reproductive Health. And we had actually submit our abstract for presentation at ACNM, <laughs> and it got denied or um, it wasn't accepted. Mm -hmm. And then the week after, I maybe a couple weeks after I got a message from somebody on the planning committee asking if I would talk about social media and litigation. Um, and I'll be speaking and sharing the time with um, a lawyer as well. But um, the, the whole takeaway is to share portions of my story and um, the takeaway for what midwives in an age of social media can do and how we can make this impactful for our patients, but also how to be cautious because we are still in an age of social media. And I think m many of us realize what those implications can mean. Um, so that's kind of the gist of that part. Um, I am, I'm excited. Um, and um, so many followers have expressed excitement and I'm, ex I'm ready to meet the ones that I haven't met yet and see the ones that I've already met. Um, but it's just a time where I, I hope somebody gains something and is inspired, but also educated in the same regard. That will be, I think, an interesting, interesting presentation. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have, oh, I have a story. <laughs> yeah. I have a story. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited, I'm excited for that one. <laughs> um, so the, we're on the heels of your, you and Lode's major wonderful statement. Um, let's talk about that. Yes. So as a good segue, because so at the Nurses for Sexual and Reproductive Health Conference last year um, in Atlanta, Georgia, um, their keynote speaker um, pretty much <laughs> Lotz and I were actually at opposite um, ends of the room. And backstory, we I know I've known Lodes for a well, I, I met her a long time ago. So in my transition from pre-med to nursing school, I was taking, um, or I was in a post-baccalaureate program. And at the time, that's where I met Lodes. So this is well over 10 years. Let's see. Yeah, well over 10 years ago. Um, wow. And she was, yeah. So, so um, we reconnected on social media. And she actually had reached out to me about something early on when I first started, like the Vagina Chronicles. And I said, hi. And her, I mean, her name is unique and specific. So I was like, are you the same loads that da -da 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 went to da -da -da -da? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, I don't know if you remember me. She's like, of course. And so 
the connection was made like we wow I think, yeah so it was like it's it's kind of interesting because neither of us were in midwifery at the time so yeah that is so cool isn't it you know yeah. life has a way of bringing, bringing yes. things full circle <laughs> yes. we know yes. this um so um anyways we had gone to the conference and you know getting their keynote speaker we were actually at opposite ends of the room but had said hello in the morning she was presenting I was presenting later and the keynote um speaker got up to to address the audience and um she was a graduate of Frontier um I think just their nursing program not their midwifery program and she was like discussing Mary Breckenridge and Planned Parenthood and but just the things that were coming out of her mouth were incorrect and how how much you know like Frontier was the first mid you know uh the the first line for midwives in the United Mm -hmm. States and I'm like I'm dying on the inside and um to backtrack also again a couple months before I was sitting in a conference and they're talking about maternity and mortality um, death, you know, the, the death rates in America and, um, or maternal, maternal mortality and morbidity, I'm sorry, um, in America. And they're not speaking to the racism. They're not speaking to who it's directly affecting or the higher rates and incidents of incidences of these. And I'm like cringing on the inside, but I'm like, you know, do I say something? Do I not? And, I've left the conference feeling terrible because I actually ended up going to try to talk to the presenters, but there was like this long line and I couldn't get through. And I was like, you know what? Like I, I felt so ashamed because like, these are my people. I, I owe it to them to speak up on our behalf because this is mm-hmm. happening to us. And so um, I like at that moment, I vowed to myself, if ever put in that position again, I'm either speaking to the whole audience or I'm going to address them specifically because it needs to, it needs to be known. Like, our voices need to be heard. We've been silenced enough. We've been ignored for so long, mistreated, harmed. Like, this has to stop. So when the speaker is talking, uh, loads like, we both are texting each other back from a, from across the room. And I'm like, is she kidding? Like, are, are, is she serious? And so we're back and forth. And finally, I don't know who said, I think it was loads who was like, should we go up there? And I was like, yeah, like, let's do it. Cause they had like a little question and answer time after. So we did. And that's like the beginnings of the letter essentially. Mm-hmm. So we were like, you know, if, if we're not saying this now um, and furthermore, the mistreat, then how, how our people were mistreated and not only black people, but like the LGBTQIA community, they're not people that Mary Breckenridge and Planned Parenthood and in its, in its um, beginning stages, they're not the, the people that they would have really cared for. Um, we probably would have been ignored um, or told to go elsewhere. And so um, we had to address it and we ended up doing that. And um, the NSRH has been like, they, they have been a wonderful organization and backed us a thousand percent. And they even held space and time for us to talk after. And so, you know, members uh, or the participants in the conference, we came together after like one of the breakout sessions and like it was just a time for us to talk. And, you know, I said to the group, I said, you know, but if Lodes and I were not here, who would have said something, you know? And I, 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 I want, I didn't want anybody to feel the way I felt leaving that last conference, like, ashamed and upset at myself and so many people reached out to us after you know thinking they're they're here sitting there listening and they're they're cringing too at the statements being made but like who's gonna make the move and uh, I think people struggle too with how do I speak up for black people if I'm not black Mm -hmm. but in a space where where things are not correct and they need to be we need to redirect and and kind of call it out and say yeah this isn't right so what actually happened is such and such and such you know um so after that conference Lowe's and I got to talking and you know we were just like yeah we need to like write about this because there's a lack of diversity in nurse midwifery programs there's a lack of true history telling like I didn't have we didn't have courses where 
they went over the history of midwifery. And if we did talk about it, it's very brief and it's very light. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's fine, but tell the full story, you know? Um, And even, even in my finding out about my grandmother, I'm at the place where I'm like digging and searching and wanting more answers. And we, because we're in, in this academia setting, we're constantly fed things because we're told to be, you know, this is what you need to eat, right? This is what mm-hmm. you need to pass these boards. This is what you need to pass this exam. This is how you're going to write this paper. But if we don't develop a sense of, I need to find this out for myself, like what's the truth behind all this? And I'm not walking around saying that everything's a lie, but like there's there's missing, huge missing pieces. Like if we're not able to put these pieces together for ourselves, then what are we really doing? Um, and so, you know, Lowe's and I discuss back and forth. We're like, okay, so, you know, off the, like, I'm on the plane writing stuff down. <laughs> like, let me get into this letter. And um, we ended up, we reached out to a few people, but then it kind of took a, a course of its own in terms of, um, you know, the building off of that experience from NSRH and, I think what's important to us is making sure that our people are heard and that's bottom line, but that requires, again, more diversity and midwifery. It requires allowing us to get to the places where we can become professors because we are, we are given roadblocks and detours and hindrances to making progress in, in that academic setting. Um, It involves scholarships like, you know, where racism falls into place, we, there's a line of poverty. And so we do need the assistance. I'm not saying everybody, but there are black students who want to go on and are smart and can do well. And they just don't have the funds or opportunity to. Mm -hmm. And so all of that is necessary to create these pathways for diversity. And it's not, you know, it's not just black people, people of color. We have um, Asian Americans, Latinx, all of these people need the support. What I can speak to for myself is coming from a black woman's perspective. Um, and also the education piece, making sure that we have that in the system. So that's, that's some of the foundation of the groundwork for where the letter came from. So what has been the, I know you talked a little to me about offline, but what's been the response to the letter? The response has been, I would say, mostly positive, excitement. Um, we get letters from people who have, like, they, they've sat with the letter and, like, tears are coming down because this is how they felt for years. I've gotten a lot of responses from students who are struggling um, and students of color struggling in their, their, their midwifery programs because of these exact um you know, oppressions that are against them. Um, And so, you know, to hear that this has given them hope is a good thing. But also, um, you know, we need organizations. And it's not just directed at ACNM. This is, you know, this is a a letter to our community. When we say midwives, that's not just nurse midwives. This is inclusive of midwifery on a whole. Um, And so we did get a response from ACNM. They... Um, so I guess, I guess I'll be revealing a little bit here. I'm not a, um, an ACNM member. I Mm -hmm. decided not to renew last year. Um, and that was after seeing the, the, uh, board meeting and sitting there and they were talking about diversity and realizing like, this is a, a fight that I, I'm here for, but I, I don't know that I can support with my funds for someone who's not going to support me. Um, And so um, I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily a a member of ACNM at this point in time, but they did reach out to us. We did have some hiccups with publishing because loads is, um, but we did have some hiccups with publishing on their platforms because I'm not a member, which really shouldn't, um, in the grand scheme of things, you know, especially on some of the platforms that are open, shouldn't, mm-hmm. shouldn't in my opinion, make a difference. But that's neither here nor there. But yeah. they, they've so moved on and um, we've talked to them and 
you know, they um, included it in their newsletter for Black History Month. So it's there. Um, and there's some upcoming work that um, we may be able to participate with them um, in the future. Um, there has been a little bit of um, a few emails with some tones that have been not necessarily the greatest. And I, I think I was expecting more of that than I was the positive. <laughs> so it didn't come as a surprise, but um, we take it with all with stride and we're not ashamed. We're unapologi- unapologetically black in this situation. This is our story to tell and the truth is here and there's more to back it up. Um, so I think that the response overall has been a positive one and I, I hope to continue not only to write about it, but to do more things to help evoke more change. Now, if one wanted to read it, where might they find it? If they so, have it by now. <laughs> yeah. So if you are an ACNM member, you can find it. I think they're their, their newsletter, but I do have it posted on my website, which is the vaginachronicles.org. And it is there. Um, you could also reach out to loads or myself via social media and we can um, send it to you. But that's like probably the easiest place to get access to it. Um, mm-hmm. And we've sent it out to, um, you know, several different organizations, including um, the California chapter of Nurse Midwives, um, uh, which I live in California. But um They've also posted it um, during Black History Month as well. So we have a few different spots where you can pick it up. But I, you know, reach out to me and I will send it to you. <laughs> That's not And a what else can people find if they come to your website or follow you on Instagram? What kind of enlightenment are they going to get? So um, I keep it on, I try to keep it on positive vibes, but also very realistic. Like I said, I'm, I think that I'm just being my most genuine self when I'm on there. So, you know, um, when you go on there, it's the vagina chronicles, um, you know, discussing the the facts, breaking, you know, dismantling the myths about vaginas and empowering people. And, um, so you're going to find a little bit of quotes that hopefully will help you through whatever you're going through, but also some information that you may not have known about, not just about pregnancy and birth, but also like the female body or female anatomy um, or people with a uterus, you know. Um, and I think it's just a place where we can kind of connect. And I mean, people come up in my DMs. It does take a little bit of time for me to get back sometimes, but um, I do have some good dialogues going. And I just hope it's a place where people will take the information and be able to apply it to their healthcare whatever needs they have in that capacity. In terms of the website, it is kind of right at right now at this time, it's, um, I do like what I call a monthly or uh, bi-weekly newsletter. You'll, you should get about two posts out of me a month. And so the first few posts from the end of last year were um, related to my journey um, in discovering that my grandmother was a midwife. And so I talk about that. And then, um, you know, just whatever's kind of going on, what, you know, questions that I might get, hoping to help out the students who are out there, too. So that and then um, in the future, there'll be a little bit more. So just have to stay tuned and find out what's happening. Well, I am honored that you allowed me to share your story. (laughs) And yeah, I feel really lucky. Thank you. Thank, well, thank you. I I feel honored that you are interviewing me. <laughs> I feel like no. I, was, I was looking forward to this. I knew it was hard for us to get together, but like, yeah. you know, um, such is the life of a midwife. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I was looking forward to it because the, the podcasts that I've heard so far have been amazing. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. I enjoy hearing everybody's story. And, yeah. you know, it really, it's like such an honor that I get to share all your stories. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's the best part. Do you have anything else you want to add? Um, I just want people to take away, at least from this conversation, that um, whatever you are designed to do in life, it's going to happen. 
and it may take years. It may not take that long, but it it will happen and it will come together. And it's going to come together in a way that you would never even imagine to. So let the universe, let God, let whoever it is as a higher power that you lean on or don't lean on, let, let them take over, let it happen. Trust that process of how it's going and like, just hold on to those memories that you're creating. And then also don't be afraid to speak out. Don't be afraid to use your voice. Um, There are so many things that we can address and speak out about so many injustices. Um, But what's really important is the passion that lies in your heart. And so I hope people don't get scared by their own voice, but use it so that someone else can be impacted and someone else's life can be improved. So that's my takeaway. Yeah. And I think that's scary. And I think hearing your story and watching what you're doing, you're such a, like a mentor and somebody that people can look up to because even though you felt scared, you said, I've got to do this. And that's huge. I mean, it's big. We're all, I'm, I'm always like, oh, do I want to say that? Do I want to do this? It is scary, but yeah. you're going to be a positive impact on somebody somewhere. Yep. And it's funny you say that because I always, my daily mantra is the universe has your back. The universe yes. has your back. Yes. So <laughs> we are on the same wave right there. Mm-hmm, for yeah. sure. So thank you. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to interview or know someone who does or encourage someone who has a great story or viewpoint to share, have them reach out to me. Easy to find. I'm in one place now. Journey to midwiferypodcast at gmail.com. The email address is in the show notes and on the podcast page. But again, journey to midwiferypodcast at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear from you and share your story.